Hello, and welcome back to another episode of A Pinch of Prevention. Now, in a previous episode, we heard from Miss Lori Liu, an attorney in Los Angeles, California, who has over three decades of experience with domestic violence and abuse cases through her career. Now, in that episode, we discussed what exactly domestic violence entails, how you can assist someone who is experiencing domestic violence, and what to do if you are currently stuck in a cycle of domestic abuse yourself. So we really encourage you to go give that episode a listen if you haven't already. This is Prachi Patel and Katherine Titzer with Evansville's very own Prevention Youth Council. Our mission is to uplift the voices of teens by providing them with opportunities to advocate for their communities and themselves. This podcast may not be suited for all audiences due to discussion of domestic violence and child abuse. So today, Lori is going to share with us a stunning case of a victim who endured years of hardship, suffering, and domestic abuse, and who also became a survivor. I am so happy to be back and to speak to you about a story of inspiration of a woman that I know, Susan, who was a client who survived domestic violence and years of hardship. Susan was married to a man named Bill, and Bill was from the Middle East. There were cultural differences. Susan was from the Philippines, and she moved to the U.S., and that's where she met Bill. And they decided to move back to his country in the Middle East. I deciding not to name the country um, for her privacy purposes. They had two little girls. Unfortunately, Susan began to suffer from domestic violence at Bill's hands. Almost nightly, Bill would drink to excess, drink alcohol. And the alcohol would cause him to be very belligerent and actually mean. He would yell at Susan and yell at the children. And he would also be very, very, very negligent with the children. On one occasion, Susan was asleep and she woke up and she saw that her four-year-old daughter was sitting next to her on the bed holding a loaded gun because Bill had been drinking and playing around with his guns and he left the gun out. Susan said, come here, give me the gun, honey, give me the gun. And it's just the grace of God that nobody was hurt. Susan went to the U.S. frequently to visit her family who were in the U.S. And she would sometimes have the children accompany her and sometimes the children would stay with their father. On one occasion, she went to the U.S. and when she returned on her return airplane ticket, she was not admitted into the country. What had happened was that under the laws and culture of his country, Bill had decided to divorce Susan. And in this country, it was possible for him to divorce her 
unilaterally with, without any notice to her. He then was able to revoke the visa of admission to the country. Susan was not able to get back into the country to see the children. At the time, her daughters were three and nine years old. Susan went back to the U.S. She had no choice, and she could contact Bill by phone, but nothing else. She couldn't get into the country. He would say to her, I was tired of being married to you, so I got rid of you, and the girls are going to stay here with me. She was desperate to see her children, but unfortunately, the country where he lived was not a member of the Hague Convention. The Hague Convention is an agreement among nations, most nations, that will honor a custody agreement or custody order of a nation so that if a child is kidnapped to another country by a parent, that the child will be returned to the home state country. So the country where Bill lived with the and had the children was not a member of the Hague Convention. She had no way to get back to her children. Can you imagine not to be near your children and not to be able to see them the terror and the sorrow that you would be feeling, the helplessness. But this was the beginning of Susan's journey to get back her children and to survive this horrible perpetrator of domestic violence. A mother's will to protect her children or do right by her children is literally one of the most powerful forces on earth. And I know that for a fact. So what Susan did was she used all of her efforts to get Bill to give her access to the children by phone. So what Susan knew she had to do was she would call him at night. He would be drinking and she would speak to him and she would say things like, Oh, honey, I miss you so much. I really wish you would let me come back because I really miss you. You're the most wonderful person I've ever known. She was saying these things because she knew that this was potentially the way to, to crack open the door to have some contact or some access. And after she did that, he would say, okay, I'll let you speak to our daughter for five minutes. And he would hand his daughter, the older daughter, who is at that time nine years old, the phone. And she would, the daughter would talk to her and she would, the daughter would cry. Mommy, come home. Why aren't you coming back? And Susan would do her best to say, I love you so much and I'm trying my best to see you. But for now, you're going to be there without me. But I'm always going to be there watching over you, even when you think I'm not there. But what I need you to do is that I need you to be really strong. And I need you to keep an eye out for your sister. I need you to take care of your sister. I'm not there. You need to take care of your sister. 
And you need to make sure that when Papa's drunk, that you take care of your sister so he doesn't hurt her. And especially if he's using his guns, you need to keep her safe. You need to not let her touch the guns. They would have these very short conversations and Bill would grab the phone back away from Susan and he would say, that's enough. And she would call the next day and she would call every day. And there were some nights when she would call and she would use all of her power and all of her ideas to try to get Bill to let her speak to her daughter. And he would say no, but she would hang up the phone. She would cry. I don't remember what time of day it was for her when she was calling them at night. And she was full of sorrow and full of terror that she would never see her children or that he would hurt them or that he would find somebody else and just say, let's erase her completely and not take her calls. This went on for months. And finally, he relented and let her come to a neutral country, not his country. They met in a neutral country. It was still in the Middle East. And he let her see the children for half an hour. She flew for hours and hours on an airplane to this country and got to see her daughters for about half an hour. They were crying. It was joyous and it was heartbreaking at the same time. And this mother whose heart was breaking, whose heart was feeling like it was shattering, she needed to hold her girls, hug her girls and tell them everything's gonna be okay. She needed her girls to not give up because she wasn't gonna give up herself. She was gonna do whatever she could do. So this went on where like every three months, he would let her fly and see the children for half an hour. But then there was a new development. He told her, Bill told Susan that he would let the children meet her in Florida at Disney World. And they would spend three days in Florida at Disney World. And then he would go home with the girls and she would go back to California. So sure enough, they went to Disney World. And they had two glorious days of fun where Susan did her best to have things be normal. And it's crazy to think that from the outside, this family just together at Disney World, that this mother was in her heart wishing that time would stop. She knew that the trips would end and that she would have to not see her children. And the trip surely did end and they went back to the Middle East and she went back to California to just start over until the next time she could see her children, whether it was in the neutral country or again at Disney World. And they did another Disney World trip a year later and it was the same thing. Time, please stop. I don't want to be away from my children. I want to be with them. Don't let him take them from me. But the time would go forward as it always does. And the children went back to the Middle East with their father, Bill. 
and she went back to California crying on the plane ride the whole time. The next year, after a couple more visits in the Middle East country and weekly conversations or bi-weekly, depending upon what Bill's mood was, they were going to meet at Disney World again. They were at Disney World, and by this time, it had been approximately five years since she had been separated from her children. They had a glorious time at Disney World, as they always did, and time did not stop. They were in the hotel, and Susan was sitting on the bed with her daughter, and her daughter, who is now about 14 years old, was laying next to her mother and crying, Mama, I'm going to miss you so much. I always miss you so much. She would say, Honey, I love you. And we're going to see each other again soon. I just need you to be real strong, okay? And she was crying. The daughter was crying. They were both crying. Bill came in the room. Bill had been drinking. And Bill became angry when he saw his daughter crying. I think he became jealous. Seeing this extreme love between mother and daughter that not even he could suppress from the separation. He yelled at his daughter, stop it, stop crying. We're getting on the plane and we're going home tomorrow. You had your trip. She cried harder and she said, we don't want to leave mom. He lunged at her and she saw him coming towards her and she tried to crawl away across the bed from his reach. But he grabbed her at the top of her shirt on her back and clawed her back towards him as she was screaming, scratching her back severely through her shirt by clawing her. She was screaming. Susan was pushing him back. Stop it. Stop it. All the while, Bill was yelling, you stop crying. We're leaving. Susan ran to the phone, the hotel phone, and she called the operator and she said, send the police. My husband is attacking our daughter. Within minutes, the police showed up and they immediately took the husband and they took him and put him in a separate room as where mother Susan and their daughter was and their other daughter was there too. Susan told the police officer her story from five years before. She didn't just tell him what had happened that night. She told him the whole story. He was looking at her, very intense interest and concern. And he looked at her and he cocked his head a little to the side. And he said, ma'am, I think you should take your children and run to California. They arrested Bill and took him away 
And Susan had her children pack the things they brought for their weekend trip to Disney World. And they ran to California. When she got back to California, she didn't know what to do. She was told, you better get a lawyer. You better get someone to help you. She didn't have any money, but she had the friendship of a woman who was going to pay for her attorney's fees so she could get a lawyer and get her children back. So Susan started to call lawyers and she said she called three or four lawyers who wouldn't even talk to her for more than a minute, who she started to tell this convoluted story going back five years and et cetera. And hearing that, no, I don't have the fees to pay you, but I have a friend who's going to pay you. But they didn't seem interested in the case or it didn't seem, you know, easy enough or worth the time. But as there is the grace of God, she called me. I'm a person who will talk to somebody who calls me, even if I don't think I can take their case. But I always want to find out what's going on, because if I can't take their case, I'm hoping that I can direct them to somebody who can help them. Or if I can't help them, I'm hoping I can direct them to somebody who can she started to talk to me and I was asking her questions and she went back five years and she spoke, she was speaking really fast. And I said, Susan, I said, well, you don't have to speak fast. I'm not rushing you. I need to know what happened. I want to know what happened. This is your life. So take your time. So we were on the phone for about 90 minutes as she was telling me this story. And I think partway through the call, I was starting to cry because it was so riveting and so compelling and how she was telling me about her terror and her sadness and sorrow, which is away from her children. It was just unbelievable. And I told her, I'm going to take your case and you're going to get your children back. So we filed immediately in court and we availed ourselves of an emergency custody statute that says if there is a child who's been the subject of abuse and that child is in California, California can assume emergency jurisdiction or control over the case and over the child and give custody of the child to the parent here in California. We were then able to go to court and there was going to be a trial regarding everything that happened because we could assume emergency jurisdiction, but it was only temporary and we would need to prove why it should be permanent custody jurisdiction over the children. By this time, it was right around 9-11-2001. And because Bill was from the Middle East, he was restricted from traveling to and from the Middle East to the U.S. 
He had hired an attorney in California who appeared in court and said, my client, unfortunately, is not able to come to the U.S. to participate in the trial. He has been caring for these children for the last several years, and they were abandoned by their mother. And he wishes he could be here to, to advise the court the true facts. Now, of course, we know that these were all lies. We don't assume that the lawyer knew that these were lies. I remember the lawyer seemed very reasonable. She was a female. I, I think she was a mother. I think I asked her if she was a mother, and she said yes. So we had the trial in the court system where Susan had to go through and talk about everything that had happened, you know, the years before with the domestic violence and the alcohol abuse and the grave danger that he put his children in, including when his daughter got a hold of the gun and was pointing the gun at her sleeping mother when her mother, Susan, woke up. And what happened in Florida, how he clawed their daughter, how he left his claw marks on her back through her shirt, how he had no empathy or feelings for this child who didn't want to be separated from her mother or from this mother who was desperate to be reunited with her children. And it is not surprising to hear that my client got sole custody. They lived in California, not too far away from where I lived. And for years, I would get Christmas cards and correspondence to hear how they were doing. I have to say that even though she thanked me profusely all the time with tears in her eyes, that she was the one that saved herself. She was the one who saved her children because she didn't give up. And she went on each day, each phone call, each trip, each night where she missed her children, she wanted to hold them in her arms. And she kept going and she kept persevering. And she also was such a good person that she inspired somebody else to help her, somebody else with the means to help her. Although, of course, I would have taken the case pro bono because she was really someone to believe in. So if there are any victims of domestic violence, you may feel helpless. You may feel that you have no way out. You may feel that you are trapped. You may not be able to see past your pain or your sorrow, but please know that you can take one step at a time and you can reach out and get help from a friend, from an attorney, from the police, from a counselor, from a therapist from a religious clergy person and you can find the strength to help yourself because a mother has strong love for her children but we as people need to have a strong love for ourselves so please if you're in a relationship 
with domestic violence, if you're in the cycle of domestic violence, please, please get help. If you're experiencing any form of abuse, please do not hesitate to contact the National Domestic Abuse Hotline. The number is 1-800-799-7233. Or if you live near Southwestern Indiana, the Albion's Fellow Bacon Center is a center that provides services to victims of any forms of abuse. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we hope that this episode has been enlightening and inspiring to you and the others listening. Stay tuned for more ingredients of change.